Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, buds? Greg Young, and today uh, we have a supersized and uh, super in-depth and super exciting uh, preview of the 2021-22 NHL season. Uh, Adam Stringham, uh, we are joined by uh, Corey Snyder. So uh, I guess, Adam, first, how, how have you been doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Greg. Um, you know, just, just chugging along here, ready for the season to start. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. As uh, as I've told people before, you know, these podcasts are late. But uh, when we get a guest as exciting as Corey Snyder, I am just perked right up. So, uh, Corey, how have you been doing today? I'm doing well. Feels like this off season wasn't very long. We were watching hockey on the 4th of July, after all, and uh, <laughs> yeah. getting ready to stir things up again. That, that said, I, I, I do think it was like a little weird. To, it's like early October and we still don't have hockey quite yet. I think I was responding to someone on Twitter that 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 kind of feels just like a little bit off. But I'm, I'm, I'm at least definitely ready for this to get started. No. Yeah. Well, still, it was weird. Like the offseason was going into full steam in August. And yes. I mean, it's only like a month behind from where we usually are. But still felt like this offseason wasn't very long. But I've also been like working and stuff, too. So. Yeah, it's the hockey that doesn't really ever stop for me. No, no, no. That's true. That's true. That's true. Well, you've the best job of all that way. Right. Um, so um, first off, guys, happy new season. Um, I think we're going to say like this one actually counts. Right. And I, I'm kind of Corey, I was going to ask this in, in this way, which is how much analytical value do we actually place on last year? I like I know we've we talked a couple of times last year and. I know like the hockey in the first couple of like weeks, maybe first month, month and a half, even you could say were kind of a bit of a disaster, but how much, like how much do we actually place, uh, you know, on uh, last season uh, versus just kind of saying it was a weird pandemic year and then it was fake. Well, I mean, everybody had, I mean, I want to say everybody had the same schedule, but like some teams had, their season derailed from like COVID. You had teams playing regular season games while the playoffs were going on that were essentially meaningless. But yeah, I, I do feel like there does need to be sort of an asterisk as far as some results go, because like teams like the Flyers and the Sabres just had 
nightmare COVID situations and that seemed to kind of derail things for them. So I feel like it's something you could say to something to kind of say to start the year, like to make yourselves feel better at least if you're at a bad season. But um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I guess we're only going to find, I guess we'll find out in a few months because I don't know. The schedule's been shifted around a lot the past two years in all sports. Like, he didn't have training camp at all last year. The first month felt like glorified preseason. Like, in this year, it's sort of normal, but some teams had a really short offseason, and uh, there's the new divisions coming up, and you're not going to be playing the same teams over and over this year, too. So I think that's going to be the main thing we'll see a difference in, like how much of a point boost did teams like the Oilers and the Leafs get from picking up on Ottawa and uh, Vancouver. So that's like the main thing I'm interested to see because like, yeah, like the schedule isn't totally balanced, but it's a little more balanced than it was last year. Yeah. That string, I guess I'm going to pitch this to you in a cap specific way. Uh, how much, how much value do you place analytically on what the caps did last year versus obviously the caps were also affected by the COVID bug very prominently and both early in the season and towards the playoffs. So I don't know how much, how much do you factor in kind of what happened last year with the caps versus just kind of shrugging off and saying it was weird. Uh, it's tough for the Caps, right? Um, they were playing pretty well prior to the bubble uh, two years ago. They were awful in the bubble. Uh, they played relatively well in the regular season for big portions last year. Um, Caps talked a lot about how much it sucked not having fans, saying they didn't have any energy, had trouble getting themselves kind of up for games. Okay, yeah, whatever. I mean, all other teams had the same challenges. Uh, to me... I. I don't really think it had a lot to do with why the Caps struggled. I think the Caps are, we're kind of seeing what happens when a roster gets older and, and they don't have kind of an influx of youth um, to kind of pick up the load. I mean, there's no more Burkowski. There's no more Verana. Um, you know, what, the last Capitals first round draft pick to make a, an impact on the team uh, and is still making an impact on the team is, is Samsonov. But, I mean, that's kind of it. There isn't a lot of these first-round talents that the Capitals have been able to kind of keep in the system, develop, and use to extend the window. And I think it was more that than uh, coronavirus that, that impacted their season last year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's absolutely fair. I, mean, I think if you want to say, you know, maybe Kuznetsov is one where COVID was obviously a big factor with that, you know, that that might be one that you would say, all right, like this is a this was a cap, you know, a, a COVID really kind of affected situation. Samsonov, too, to a lesser extent. But, you know, I, I tend to agree. You know, I think that it's uh I think you really saw and you saw also with the compressed schedule with the Capitals uh, really, you know, them kind of wearing down towards towards the playoffs. And uh, yeah, so we'll we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, Corey, uh, we did we did get one question that's that's uh, a new thing for the new year, which is uh, Brandon Alter wants to know you finally got a non Pokemon Twitter logo. So uh, you uh, I guess I guess the uh, the Pokemon days are over now. Yeah, for now, I might bring them back sometime, but I thought it was time for the change. Finally put, like, finally put my real face up on my Twitter profile, which, like, my mom has been telling me to do for <laughs> years now. Like, the, 
Like whenever we talk on the phone, she would always like complain about the Pokemon avatars. She's like, she's like, aren't you too old for this? I'm like, I don't know. It's a gimmick that I just keep going, and I like changing it every month to something random just to keep people on their toes. But I decided to make the change this year. Well, a couple months ago, just to throw people off a little bit, and uh, maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. I also kind of ran out of ones that I wanted to switch, and it just got kind of annoying. <laughs> I was like, I don't. I was like, I don't really want to switch this month, so I just think I'm just gonna go to a normal picture of me. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I, uh, you know, um, I've, I've, I think I'm, I'm gonna keep my photo of me uh, lovingly caressing the mock Stanley Cup in Toronto. I think that'll just be something that I do for the rest of my life. Um, but speaking of making transitions, because you're becoming older and more mature uh, this is gonna that's a terrible transition but here we go um so for the capitals uh we've talked uh kind of ad nauseum as says everyone about the window and the age and you know the fact that they're getting older and so the window is closing and yada yada um but i, I don't know Corey. like ultimately we're talking about a capitals team that again last year was tied for first in the I guess not Metro Division, whatever the heck you wanted to call it. I guess the the Mass Mutual East Division or whatever it was. Um, you know, like, and I feel like this has kind of been the story for the Capitals for a while now that we, you know, always kind of predict doom and gloom. And then they always seem to just do better in the regular season than we think. Um, I think before we kind of go into maybe why this year could be different, I guess let's kind of look back and say why why has it not been the case that the Caps window has slammed shut on them yet? Well, I know they were supposed to have a it was weird because they were supposed to have a major drop off the year they won the cup because that was the year they lost Schmidt, Johansson and a few other guys. But that was also a year where they stopped shooting from the point. They were focusing more on like high danger plays, going from behind the net a lot, attacking off the rush a lot, which Kuznetsov was really, really good at that year. And they just seem to have a lot of guys who are. Like some of their older players kind of aged better. Like TJ Oshie really hasn't hit in that. He hasn't hit that much of a wall. Like he's still producing a lot of points, even though he's in like his mid thirties now. And people are expecting that contract to kind of be a disaster at this time. And uh, they also just had like, they had like players like Jake Brana and uh, Andre Burakovsky come along to kind of keep the engine rolling a little bit. Like, uh, like those guys aren't like stars or anything, but they're top six players who can like put points on the board and they're really, really tricky and tough to defend. So I think that kind of, that kind of kept it going for them that, and that, and I think some of their, some of the guys at the top of the roster that aren't considered like rocks are really good. Like Dimitri Orlov, for example, like he's a prototypical modern, (laughs) like to me, he's like a prototypical modern defenseman. He defends really aggressively. He's really good with the puck. He skates really well. And like and he and he hasn't really hit much of a wall like and he's and he's 30 now. So I do wonder how it's going to go, like how their trajectory is going to go along with him, because like Carlson his like I know he's kind of like a I know he's kind of a uh, hot. I don't don't know what the right word. I know what I want to say. I just don't know what the word is, but. There's a lot of debates about John Carlson, like how good he a really is. A polarizing player, perhaps. Yeah, because like he puts up a ton of points on the power play. He's really good with the puck, really good at commanding things from the blue line in. But like, there's a lot of just uh, goals against it. A lot of the goals against, like where he's where he looks really bad in the highlight reels. Underlying stats are kind of spotty. But 
I do think that they kind of they kept the top of their roster insulated well enough to the point where they can stay good in the regular season and play the way that kind of Trotz wanted them to do in his last year, where it was a lot more a lot more focused on offense, less so on, you know, grinding games out. Yeah, and, and string, I guess, kind of, uh, you know, I, like I think again, like we we talk doom and gloom. I guess let's kind of narrow down to last year a little bit. Like, what, I mean, ultimately, again, this is a team that was tied for first in the East and that was ahead of teams like Boston and uh, and the Islanders. The Islanders, are, of course, kind of being the darling pick, it seems this year. So I don't know. Like, I, I'm kind of struggling because yes, like things kind of went sideways in the playoffs, but that's a you know, five game sample with a team that was clearly hurt versus a, you know, 56 game sample where they were, you know, right there again. So kind of how, how, are, how are you thinking about like last year, kind of processing it going forward? Well, all right. So the Caps were injured a lot at the end of the year. We all know that. Again, aging roster, though. Could that be the new normal? Tough to tell. Um, so. And, and they played a very, very good Boston team that I thought was going to do good things in the playoffs last year. Um, so, to be honest, Greg, I wouldn't overassess last year's playoffs, but I do think you have to start talking about every playoff since they won the Stanley Cup. I mean, the Capitals have only won uh, five playoff games since they lifted the trophy, and three of them came in the year directly after they've won the Cup. So we're talking about two game wins in two postseasons. So let's, uh, I think that, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of things to say about the Capitals. I'm not trying to overevaluate what happened last year. They lost in the first round of playoffs against really a better Boston Bruins team, but it's, you know, they're going to have to win those type of series uh, if they're going to reach their goal of winning the Stanley cup. So, uh, I mean, let's be honest, Greg, neither you nor John picked them to be the Bruins. No, <laughs> no, and that was a pretty easy pick, I thought. Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I think that's kind of where I'm at. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I struggle with this, right? Because I think that the Capitals are, you know, like, I mean, we go doom and gloom with them. Uh, you know, I, that said, I'm also kind of starting to be a little convinced that I'm not sure the the rest of the Metro is, is all that good, frankly. Like, I think the the team that I was particularly scared about, uh, the Hurricanes, was maybe the team that got the worst this offseason. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, Corey, you might you might disagree with me on that one there. But uh, I, you know, I think that I, I look at the division and I look at the Capitals and I say, OK, if they can basically, you know, maybe see a slight deterioration from where they were. I think they're still like probably a playoff team. And if you say that they're a playoff team, then I, I you know, I don't know. Like, I think that I would hope that they are thinking about how to best utilize their, you know, their roster in a way that can make sure that their their core players are healthy and fresh for the playoffs. Um, whether that's load management or not, you know, that's something I kind of hit on in the Japers Rink Roundtable that's going to be published uh, on Friday. But, you know, I, I kind of think that that's something that the Capitals need to think about. But if they do, then I think that they're not in a bad place. Uh I because I, I, we say, OK, they're they're the same. Maybe they got a little bit worse, but they still have room to be a little bit worse and still, I think, be safely a playoff team. And so I think that that's I, 
I don't know. I think that it's it's easy to see where this is going, but maybe we're not all the way there yet, even though we know where it's going. So I don't know. That that was a lot of that that was a lot of words. But one of the people that you know I think that kind of personifies a lot of the capitals divide between you know what they seem to say that they were and you know what the underlying stats seem to say was Brendan Dillon and it's someone that I think was a really kind of divisive player a lot uh divisive maybe not in the capitals community because I think there was a universal perspective not universal but a lot a pretty big perspective that he wasn't that great but that said Corey the um I think the kind of advanced stats on him were maybe a little more positive than I would have thought. So the Capitals basically have the same roster last year, minus Brendan Dillon. So how big of a deal do you think is losing Dillon? And how big of a deal also is it that they did basically nothing to fill that hole? I think it depends on how good is Michael Kempney after all these injuries and can he still play in the top four? Because that was kind of like their one pillar piece there that Dillon was, I think he was replacing him when they made that trade because he's had so many just leg injuries over the past years i've kind of lost track of them yes but i don't know dylan is your typical is he might be a t- like he's your typical guy who doesn't look that impressive by the eye test but he does play the system well he skates well enough to get around but it's also like is he a top four guy or is he not like on a contending team and like I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of those guys around the league and like they're valuable, but they're also you can find them like the Caps make a trade for one seemingly every year. But I think they I mean, I think they have they have a pretty good player in Jensen who can kind of hold the fort down in the top four if Kempney's healthy. And after that, it's a little like I'm looking at their depth chart now and I just noticed they signed Matt Irwin, who was like a, a train wreck in Buffalo last year. But uh they also have that Faravari guy I haven't watched a lot of, but he might he might be good to uh, kind of keep he might be good to kind of fill in in the top four if he needs to if Kempney is hurt. But I really think it all comes down to that. I really think it all comes down to his health and how good he's going to be going forward. Yeah, and uh, I think the the returns from the preseason on Michael Kempney are probably a bit more mixed, but uh, it is just the preseason. And uh, I guess Corey, uh, do you want to do you want to give the standard disclaimer of uh, be careful about the preseason? I have not I have not watched a lot of preseason this year. I've just been I've been really busy kind of uh, uh, testing out some new things for tracking next se- for player tracking next season and building some tools on my website which is new now. I'll plug that later. So I haven't really had a lot of time to watch these preseason <laughs> games in depth. That and like, there's the new NHL TV switch over to ESPN plus. So I'm still uh, kind of figuring out how that's, how that's working because the, it's been weird, which games have been on ESPN plus yeah. and which ones haven't. If, I don't yeah, know. If you, know you, were, you were talking about that with me kind of before the show, right? That like, it's, it's not, crazy. you know, yeah. Like I, I just want to watch the Caps preseason games. I mean, I got to be like one of at least fifteen people out there, and I, <laughs> and I can't find the game. And I feel like when I had NHL TV, I could watch every game, including the preseason. So it's it's a little frustrating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, my, my joke about preseason is there's this one play on the power play that always works in the preseason because nobody defends the front of the net. It's where you have a guy stationed right next to the net behind the goal line and he makes the cross seam pass to the guy in the face off circle for a one timer. It's like that's the one play that looks like money in the preseason. It's like, oh, why don't we do this all the time? And you try in the regular season like, oh, yeah, it's not open. There's a guy stationed there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, because no one wants to actually be in that, like, you know, kind of 
crappy position down low in the preseason because why would you want to get hurt if you're a veteran in the preseason, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Well, there you go. That's the uh, that's the the Japers Rink Radio warning of be careful about the preseason because it's kind of not real hockey. Um, so there you go. Uh, all right. So. Corey, one of the other kind of interesting things that's been, uh, you know, in the front of Capitals' minds is uh, the the idea that Nicholas Backstrom is going to, in all likelihood, be out for the first probably at least two weeks, maybe even a little longer, hopefully not that much longer. Um, so there's kind of this debate about whether, you know, uh, Hendrick LaPierre and Connor McMichael are ready to go. I'm going to pitch it to you this way because I'm guessing you haven't uh, seen much of them play, but... You have an NHL league-wide view. Are people, like, are kids that are coming into the league now just ready earlier? And, you know, if so, do you think that there's a lesson for the Capitals to learn from that? I mean, it's a case-by-case basis, but overall, I think it's going that way. Like, last year, you had a bunch of uh, junior-eligible players playing in the AHL because there was no because there was no junior hockey in Canada last year. And a lot of these kids were really good. And McMichael was one of them. I think he had 27 points in 33 games with the bears. And like yes. uh, with Carolina, they kind of had a super prospect team with the wolves last year. Cause Nashville had to send their guys there and all their best players were guys who could still go back to juniors like uh, Seth Jarvis, Philip Tomasino for the predators. So I think it's going that way where these guys are a lot more ready than we think they are. And uh, I guess it's all about, if they can play the minute, if they can play the minutes higher in the lineup, like conditioning wise and all that strength wise, like that still has to be worked on. Like you see with the, like you saw with Jack Hughes in his first year. But uh, I do think it's starting to trend that way just because the league, the league in general is getting a lot younger, like top picks are going right into the NHL now. And uh, guys are getting ragdolled and thrown around as much as they used to. But I think it really just depends on like where their condi- where their conditioning's at and if they can kind of adjust to the speed of the game, which I mean it's going that way because the comp is a lot similar now to where it used to be. Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, String, do you have any particular excitement about watching uh, you know Hendricks or McMichael play? Uh, is there do you have do you have any kind of you know preference at this point? You know would you maybe want to see them both play or kind of kind of where are you at on this? Um, because of the problems I kind of mentioned with ESPN plus, I haven't been able to watch either of them as much as I would have liked. Um, I mean, I, I hundred percent want to see one of them play and I want to see them play second line minutes. Um, because I think skilled players play their best with other skilled players. And I just think that's important for the caps as much as I think Lars Eller is a great player. I don't think he is the best skill set to play on the second line, uh, for a sustained period of time. So, um, I'm definitely hoping we see one of the young guys get some big minutes and they get put into a, a place where they can get some points up on the board early. Are you saying you don't want to see Nick Dowd is, as a third center? Is, is that what you're saying, Adam Stringer? No, I mean, I thought you were going to say something that was just making me think of Jay Beagle and Joey Crabb on the first line for, for Adam Oates' Capitals, but uh, no. I, I that was the that was the pinnacle of uh, of Washington Capitals uh, fandom right there. Uh, the the Adam Oates, uh, Joey Crab and Jay Beagle experiment. That was, that was really something. Uh, all right. Well, so just a heads up that that question was from Average Caps fan, who is uh, one of my favorite accounts to follow on Twitter. Um, 
Corey, uh, you got you got another question. I'm kind of incorporating. We got quite a few fan questions. I'm kind of going to incorporate them throughout. Um, but we got a question from Jim's Caps Cup uh, that was asking, is there a capital that you think could surprise this year? And that can uh, either be good or bad, by the way. So, you know, take take that for what you will. Yeah, it's been like I was after I saw the question, I was kind of glossing over some of their team level stats last year. And it's interesting because Lavi has them playing a lot like uh, a lot like how uh, the Preds did when he was there, but not when they were good. Like there's a lot of sustained offense, a lot of passes to the point. So I just wonder who is going to get the benefit of all this. Like Oshie's become more of a passer now. Eller's become like. Eller's become like a supreme volume passer, which he's never been before in his career. Like he's always been kind of a mid-tier guy. So I do wonder who's going to get the most benefit from this. I think it might be Anthony Mantha, to be honest. Like he, I don't think he saw the best of him when the Caps traded for him. He had a couple down, couple bad luck shooting seasons in Detroit, but he is like, he, I know he can definitely finish and be more of a difference maker than he showed last year. And I'm also curious about Sprong because uh, where you, when you have all these guys kind of posting up with uh, you have a, when you have a guy like posting up in the corner, like looking for somebody to pass to you, like somebody has to get open. And Sprong was one of those guys last year. And uh, I do wonder if he has more finish than he showed. So Mantha yeah. and Sprong are the two big ones. I, Sherry's also sort of interesting just because he's kind of a guy that he creates a lot of like high XG, high danger plays, but never really shows in points unless he's with Sidney Crosby. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of an, that's kind of an interesting one. But I would go to one of these two wingers. Like whoever gets the most, like whoever gets the most chances on a, like a uh, on a top six line on the wing. Because I don't know if Eller has like Eller's a good player. I just don't know if he's the type of passer that can kind of make those make those plays that are tough to defend. Like he'll probably just defer the point a lot more, which might open up some rebound opportunities for a guy like Nampa or even Sprong. So really, I think it's one of those two that will have like a big season, at least points wise. Sure. Sure. And string, string, anyone, anyone you're, you're particularly excited about. Uh, no, <laughs> <I'm really- laughs> They don't call him the best co- podcast co-host for nothing, though. Well, I, I like, <laughs> I'm not going to you guys. I mean, who I want to see this year is I want to see Ovechkin. I want to see if Ovechkin's going to stay on pace to beat Gretzky. I mean, that that's yeah. that. I mean, that's the biggest cap storyline this year is are they going to make the playoffs? And then the second biggest story is is Ovechkin going to continue to have a real uh, chance to pass Gretzky because with, with his health at the end of la- last year it might be in doubt. So it's really going to like, how, how is it, how healthy is he? And is he going to be productive enough to kind of keep this chase going uh, over the next five years? I li- actually, I like that answer, you know, cause I think it's easy for us to try to like go down and say, Oh, like, you know, the third line winger or whatever is going to surprise mm-hmm. because they'll score five more goals than we think. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> I think that with like, maybe just Alex Ovechkin is the right answer there. Uh, that said, I'm going to, I'm going to pick, uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, because I actually think he's pretty good at defense, and uh, I hope that he gets a role. Uh, there you go. That was I made fun of myself for that answer, but but that but that that would be my pick. Um, all right, uh, yeah, Corey. I, mean, um, I, w- I want to play. We're gonna zoom out from the rest of the metro or to the rest of the metro. Uh, 
I'm going to ask you a trivia question, uh, although I think I might have accidentally given you the answer to it. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are picking the Islanders to win the Metro. What is the last year that they won a division title? I'm going to say before 1990. Yeah, that's uh, string. String. You have a do you have a specific guess? No, I don't. Bring, OK, uh, yeah, Corey, you were right on. 1988 was the last year that the uh, the Islanders have won a division title. So Wait, I guess really? like, you know, I, I thought it was I even earlier. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, I think that was the yeah, I, I forget what team that was, but they were they were that was I think they had a little bit of a run there in the mid 80s. But um, the uh, the uh, I guess I guess. Corey, like you're a uh, you're a well-documented uh, Carolina Hurricanes fan. I guess I don't really know who is going to win this division. Like, do we do we buy the Islanders? I mean, obviously they've made back-to-back runs to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's pretty impressive, but they haven't really wowed anyone during the regular season. And in fact, before the bubble, they were actually like kind of a barely like they were that 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 season kind of ended at the right time for them. So. What do, what do we think about the Islanders this year? Are they the favorites or would you say it's like a Canes or would you say it's a kind of, I don't really know. Yeah. That's like, like as a hurricanes guy, I've been kind of look, I've been like looking at the rest of the division, wondering like, who am I really scared of? Even if they did lose Tuggy Hamilton, but um, the Islanders are a team that's going to, they're going to make hay in November and December and then coast. Like that's kind of yes. just, that's kind of just what they do. It's what they did last year because they were, they were really struggling after they lost Anders Lee and Paul, people were wondering, like, is Paul Mary a good fit there? And then lo and behold, he turns it on in the playoffs. But like, um, like they're, I mean, they're the one team that didn't get that much worse aside from trading Nick Letty. That's, and they replaced him with Char, which like, it's going to be kind of an interesting, uh, it's going to be didn't an they, interesting. Didn't they lose? Uh, was it like Eberly in the expansion oh, draft? Oh though, yeah, too? yeah, of course, yeah, Eberly, yeah, losing Eberly. But I think well, they did sign Paul Mary, and they I think Wall, I think Wallstrom's going to be really good there too, like as yeah. a replacement there. But I do think like I think they're going to finish second or they're going to finish second or third or be a wild card team, and then do what they do in the playoffs because that's just how it goes for them. They they do what they need to do in the regular season, but their roster is very thin and somebody is inevitably going to get hurt during that time and be out for a while. And they're going to struggle the rest of the way, make the playoffs and then sweep a team in the first round. Yep. <laughs> sweep Pittsburgh <laughs> or something. Cause I think that's, that's just how things go. But as far as who's going to win the division, I it's, it's a toss up to be honest. Cause like, as like speaking as a Carolina fan, I'm like, okay, like the capitals, like, they always kick they always kick Carolina's ass in the regular season. But like I don't I think they match up well on paper. The Flyers have had the weirdest offseason ever because like they trade Brian they trade for Ryan Ellis and then bring in Keithy Andel. Well, they bring in Rasmus first line and Keith Yandel yes. after they were talking about how bad their defense was last year. <laughs> and Arden Jones is there now too as their backup, which like as somebody who's like has a shark has the sharks as his B team is like I'm really I'm surprised that guy is even still in the league. Carter Hart better be good, better be better for them next year. Yeah, well, this is the Flyers also kind of have the San Francisco Giants one year on one year off thing where it's like one year they're terrible. One year they're really good. So I think so I think the Flyers are going to make the playoffs probably based on that alone. But that could go either way. It's just so volatile there. Pittsburgh Crosby's out. Malkin's hurts. I'm going to I think I posted a. 
I, I posted a screenshot of their training camp roster with a bunch of nobodies. I'm like, okay, which one of these guys is going to have 40 points by March? Yep. <laughs> like Phillips. Because uh, he gets to play on a wing with Sidney Crosby or whatever. Radim Zahorna, get ready. That's that's that that is a real person, by the way. Like he's going to score. I, 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 I don't believe you, and I'm not going to even even if you present me a name. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to have 15 this year, goals this year. Anthony Angelo is going to have 12 goals, but I they're going to be I think they're going to be in the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to. I don't really think they're bad enough to the point where they're fall out, where they're where they're going to fall out. Like Carolina, I losing Hamilton, I think is going to hurt them a lot more than they think. But it's really going to depend if Ronta and Anderson are good enough to kind of keep that ship going because they really didn't break into the next level until they got like above average goaltending. And that was from, that was from Morazic and like James Reimer and Curtis McElhaney. So I think Anderson and Ronta can do something similar. And then like the devils, they got a lot better, but I kind of need to see it in person to believe that they're going to be a playoff team. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's three years now of this, like they're young. I think they have the, they have the biggest chance to kind of take the step forward, especially after getting Hamilton. But like their goaltending is Mackenzie Blackwood and uh, Jonathan Bernier, which I mean that's better than Keith Kincaid and whatever it's been the last few years. Well, when they go to Canada, I guess it's just going to be Jonathan Bernier, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did that situation get get fixed yet, or is that just going to be what they have to do? I, I don't know. It's, uh, I I don't I, for 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 what it's worth, uh, we're we're talking about Mackenzie. Bla- I was making a kind of offhand comment about Mackenzie Blackwood, who has uh, come out as not being vaccinated, meaning that he uh, I don't think will be admitted to the the uh, the country of Canada if that changes. Uh, we we don't know. He didn't actually totally sound super crazy anti-vax, but. It wasn't ideal, and uh, I think he's the only one on that team that's not vaccinated. So uh, that's probably not great for them. But, yeah. but either way, yeah, I think yeah. I think the Devils are kind of a little bit of a mixed bag here. And the same with the Rangers. Like the range, the Rangers are kind of in the same boat as Carolina to me, where it's like they had a chance to kind of really take a step forward, and it's like they did they did some. I don't even remember what they. I, I don't remember all what they did in the off season, but it was like. They have a lot of good players there. They're like Kako, Kravstov, Lafreniere that could potentially like really shift things for them. But they also traded Pavel, Pavel Buchnevich for a third liner. Yes. So that and, I know and decide, they kind of decided to get Ryan Reeves and overpay. Was it Barkley Goodrow? No. The, yeah. Did they get they got they got one of the Tampa guys. Goodrow. Yeah. Goodrow, like yeah, I think he's gonna nice. like. Well, I think he's. I think that's actually gonna help because he's replacing Brett Howden. And sure. A, and like it was filthy. genuinely atrocious from what I yeah, and like a bunch of like a bunch of guys who are probably AHL fodder. So that's going to help overall. They just paid a lot of money to do it, and that's going to hurt them more later down the line. But it might be enough to kind of get them into the top three or maybe a wild card team in this division, because like the only team that's really like a non-playoff team is Columbus, I think. Yes. Yeah, like, that's it's kind of weird that way, right? There's a big there's a bit of a jumble. Um, all right, well with uh, with that, um, you know, Corey, we're gonna take a quick break. On the other side, I'm gonna ask you about the Canes off season. We got a couple more fan questions, and we'll give some uh, some predictions. So uh, stay tuned. Welcome back to JFish Rink Radio. I'm still here with uh, Corey and Adam. And uh, Corey, we're gonna. I wanna first. You're a Canes guy. Explain the the Carolina Hurricanes off season to me. Like what 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 happened here and. Uh, the one thing that was, you know, we were kind of cruising along and saying that they had a pretty bad offseason, and then they uh, they ended up getting Kakaniemi with one of the only offer sheets that you will ever see actually be successful. Um, 
like, I guess kind of if, tell me about the Canes offseason and where do you think Cockney Emmy fits with that? And uh, we're also getting this question, uh, the Cockney Emmy part in particular from Michael Sanford. Well, they did a lot of things on the margins that I think are good, like the whole uh, letting letting Brock McGinn walk and signing Josh Levo. I, I think that's I think that's good. Trading Fogel for Bear is good, especially after losing Hamilton, because you're not going to replace Dougie one for one. But Ethan Bear is a guy who can do a lot of the little things that kind of Hamilton does, like, you know, getting the puck out of the zone doing subtle things on offense to kind of prevent chances. So I think uh, that was good. It's just the whole signing Tony D'Angelo thing to take Dougie Hamilton's power play time. And that's, that was, yeah, like you, you did, you alienated part of the fan base just to are, sign a power play are, are specialist. Are we ready for, uh, for him to actually be better than, and, and, and that be extremely frustrating for all of us? <laughs> well, I mean, I also don't really like, Speaking personally, after like how things ended with the Rangers, I don't think he's going to be on the team the entire season. Because <laughs> like I am, all right. What's like the rule on like swear words and like vulgarity on this podcast? Go for it. Go, so go like swear af- away. After the like fight with Georgiev happened, I was like, oh, it's crazy that a guy with a history of being a shithead acted like a shithead again. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I I think they're gonna need to like or find they need to find someone to run the power play. At some point, because I don't think D'Angelo is going to last on the team, and I and I don't if Jake Gardner's style of play frustrated them, I don't know if D'Angelo is going to be any better. Because like you signed him to be the you signed him to be like a puck moving second power play specialist, and uh, that's kind of what he's supposed to be here, and he didn't really fit in because he didn't really fit in because uh, well, I mean to be fair, Gardner wasn't really the player he was in toronto when carol well, he also got hurt right yeah he too. yeah his body just looked absolutely broken last year like his like he couldn't turn he couldn't really retrieve pucks the way he used to like once he got the puck he can make that first play out of the zone but it was just getting the puck was the problem so i think i i don't really think D- like you lost a top pair defenseman d'angelo is not a top pair defenseman he's a second He's a seven defenseman power play specialist. And like you could have signed Brad Hunt or someone like or got somebody off waivers and done the same without pissing off like without pissing off a sizable portion of the fan base. But that's putting my personal feelings aside there. Like I think I don't think they downgraded that much. It really depends how this Ronta Anderson thing is going to work out. Like I think the Nadelkovich thing was stupid. Like, just sign the guy for one year, $3.5 million, see if he works out. Because I get it. He only played 23 games and was outstanding. But still, like, you're paying more for Ronta and Anderson than you are for, Nedelk- for Nedelkovic and whoever his, like, 1A, 1B guy was going to be. Yes. So I think it's – I like, I thought that was dumb, but I also – I understand kind of the concerns with him because, like, Ned, Ned has not played a lot of hockey, like, in his NHL career. But – I don't know if these new guys, these new guys can easily be what they had two years ago with Morazic and McElhaney. And that was enough to get them into the playoffs. But is the team in front of them going to be that much better? But the big thing is the cock and the, I, I totally forgot about the cock and the Emmy thing. They've done so much stuff, but <laughs> yeah. So like they're going to, so he's an interesting player because he's a guy that creates a lot of offense and volume, but not a lot of good scoring chances. And a lot of it is just like, he plays very safe with the puck. Like he goes to the point a lot, takes a blank shot if it's there. 
but his release is just incredible. Like, like just kind of watching him close with my work, like, like his release is so slow. Like he takes like two seconds to get a shot off. He has to dust it off every time. He doesn't really one time the puck that well. And I don't know. He's a guy that can drive play and be a solid, like a middle middle of the roster type of player, which they will need next year if Vincent Trocek leaves. But I don't know if he's going to be like a supreme difference maker, if you know what I mean. Like, is he going to be this selkie candidate that they seem to thought that they thought he was going to be two years ago? So that I think he's going to fit in well. I just don't know if he's going to produce a lot of points because five on five points are really tough to come by on this team unless you're Sebastian Ajo. Yes. Yeah, and I, I guess I guess though if you're the Canes, you know it's just a one year deal, right? So if he doesn't yeah. fit at all, right, you know then you're like, all right, whatever. And they if they have the cap space, you might as well give it a shot, particularly with a guy with a kind of high pedigree like that. I also know? think it's like a I also think there's like a handshake deal thing that all right, we'll pay you six point two million this year, and then we'll sign you to like four point three million or whatever Trocheck is making. Sure. Like yeah. I, I I I think that I mean I. I think that's what's going on at least. But I I do think there's some X factors on the team. Like maybe Seth Jarvis can come and take a top nine spot. But their roster is really full right now. Like there's not really a lot of room for rookies because like they still have Jesper Foss signed for an extra year. He's going to take a top nine spot. They can easily move him down though. But um, yeah, like I don't think, I think they're going to stay kind of where they were two years ago. Not last year because they're not playing the Blackhawks and the Red Wings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, so many times a year, but I do think I don't think they're that much worse than the Devils. I think they I think they match up pretty well with the Caps because like I was looking at the Caps step chart and I'm like without Backstrom, I'm like okay, Carolina might be able to hang with this team. Like that's gonna... say Aho's gonna get some some nice you know I mean he's gonna get a lot of Kuznetsov I would imagine and that's uh, not a probably not a bad matchup for him there. Yeah, the only problem is with a lot of these Metro teams, Carolina's kind of gotten like their teeth kicked in, in the regular season by yes. like by Washington, by Washington and the Rangers especially. So I just wonder if that's going to change at all this coming year because everybody's everybody's on a pretty level playing field except Columbus, like the way I see it. Yeah, yeah, I it's I I think I'm all right. I'm I'm glad my opinion has been somewhat validated by someone smarter than me because uh, I I also look at the metro and kind of just don't really know what's going on there a ton. Um, but we uh Corey, we got another fan question. Um, this one from uh guest and soon to be more frequent guest uh of the of the podcast uh Jay Fresh and uh, he wants to know why don't Barzell, uh, Matt Barzell and uh, and Jack Hughes sco- score a lot of points. So uh, I yeah why why don't they score a lot of points? With Barzell, I was looking at this. I think it all comes down to power play production with him because aside from his rookie season, he just really has not produced there. And I just wonder if that's kind of a team level thing with the Islanders. Uh, maybe with uh, whoever is, I don't know who runs their power play there. It might be Lane Lambert, but they do kind of, their power play doesn't really have a lot of like structure. They kind of just revert to Pollock taking shots from the point, hoping Lee gets a rebound. So maybe there's some points he's leaving on the table there, but at five on five, he's been producing pretty well. Maybe not at like, uh, although I do wonder that because you look at a guy like Patrick Kane or somebody and he plays kind of similar to Barzell with how he, just has free reign, free reign on in the neutral zone, carrying the puck in all the time, creating a lot in transition. But like he drives play, but Barzell drives play better than Patrick Kane. But Patrick Kane will be a defensive just nightmare. 
or not or not like great that well in a lot of models, but still producing like a hundred points or something. So I do wonder, I do wonder what keeps Barzell from doing that. And I wonder if it goes back to power play time or maybe looking for, maybe looking for cross seam passes that the Islanders don't really try that much. Maybe creating more from the middle, which the Islanders also don't try a lot unless it's yep. going to the point. With Hughes, I think I'm going to give it another year with him because, like, looking back in some tape, like, in this first year, his shot was just not very good, stayed on the ice a lot, so he didn't really have a lot of high-quality chances. His linemates didn't finish that well. And uh, that was kind of the case last year, too. He did a lot more on his own, though, at least from what I saw. He was just being a lot more assertive with shooting the puck. But I'm going to give it another year with him, see how he works with a guy like Tomas Tatar, some of these rookies the Devils have coming up, like Holtz and uh, uh, who's the other guy? I think his name is Mercer, but he's been, like, tearing it up in the preseason. Yeah, I think that's right. But, like, the Devils just, you know, the Devils have just been, they don't, last year they had, like, nobody who could score. Like, the only guy I could, the only guy who had a shot that stood out there was, like, that Sharon Govich kid, and he was a yeah. uh, third-liner or something, like, that's kind of where the problem Gusev was, was a bust that. for them too, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, that was. Well, like uh, Miles Wood led Miles Wood and Pavel Zaka led the team in goals there. <laughs> but I yeah, do that's... want. I also wonder if the Hamilton addition there kind of helps as far as the getting him a point boost because Hamilton does drive goals like at a pretty high rate. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that because I mean I, I look at the Devils and you say all right. Like, Hamilton's great, but who's who's ultimately putting the puck in the net there? But, you know, I mean, Hamilton does drive goals, and it's not like Carolina had a ton of crazy, like, finishing talent, like, famously so for a while. So, I don't know, how, how does Dougie help them? Well, with, with him, it was a lot of, like, creating rebounds and kind of being the second or third guy joining the play. That was his huge thing. He was really good at keeping pucks in, too. Like, the big thing that Carolina always did, especially after Hamilton got there, was they just kept teams pinned in the zone forever and took a lot of shots from the board and just kept retrieving it over and over again until somebody ultimately got open. And Ajo was the one who kind of got the spoils there. Like, he became an incredibly good goal scorer, like, just from getting loose in front of the net all the time. And and that really helped them a lot. And that's really what caused him to kind of take off there. But but after him, even guys like Sveshnikov have had trouble scoring, like a, at least at five on five. So, but Hamilton does kind of help you create those like sustained offense, sustained offensive shifts and maybe create a lot more of like rebounds and such. And like they're also the Devils are also going to get Nico Hischier back for a full season, hopefully. So that I think that's going to be. And he is really, really good. So. That's going to be the X factor because I don't think Hughes and Hischier have played a lot of games together. No, and that is going to be a nightmare from as a one-two center punch potentially for a lot of teams. I would I mean, think. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. yeah. That's true. Well, I mean, if Quinn or not Quinn, sorry, if uh, if Jack Hughes is able to maybe play. Second line center minutes, man. That that's um he he might get some he might get some good matchups there. No. Yeah. So yeah, that's the other thing with Hughes. Like Hughes is playing an insane amount of minutes every game there, especially for a kid his age. Like he's also like Hughes is such a unique player. Like I don't, I don't know how often you've gotten to watch him, but yeah, like, a decent amount. Yeah, he's, I've, he's interesting. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. He's like, he's so small. He's so lanky, but he just gets away from defenders so easily. 
and he will not. His acceleration really is something else. Especially with the puck, like he just yeah. constant like, and he will not give it up ever. Like he no. will go end to end, circle the zone constantly, turns the puck over at a rate I've never seen before. But he'll keep trying play, but he'll just keep trying plays, and I've never really seen anything. I just can't think of a player that young with that type of with that type of frame like play like this before. Yeah, and it's almost you almost wonder like what the right players to play with him are, right? <laughs> like, you know, that's like do you just get a couple of plugs who just sit in front of the net? Like probably not. You would want someone who could, you know, get open for some like cross ice stuff, but uh, yeah, he's kind of an interesting player that way because it's not I don't know if there's a clear like person or players that really want to play with a guy with his skill set yeah like he's really like yeah like i call him a unicorn a lot just because i i've never seen a player like i've never seen a player like that drive offense at such a high rate but not get points along with it yes. because he's not like a brady get shuck type of player that's just jamming the puck into pads all the time yeah, yeah. and like trying yeah, to get know. and like goosing his uh expected goals rate that way he just creates a lot on his own through passes and just through incredible puck handling and vision but yeah that that said also he's what like 21 22 so yeah so i do (laughs) yeah so i do wonder if the points are going to start coming this year like because i mean he's set up i mean he's set up okay this year like Mm -hmm. i mean he has too much to tar there now and i i really like uh i really like yanni i really liked yanni kokanen when he was with the hurricanes he had a couple of really bad injuries before they traded him, so I, I do wonder if he's kind of like a potential maybe breakout there. And like Andreas Janssen is supposed to be good, but he didn't really have a good season. So I think it's going to come down to whether or not these kids that they have coming up are going to be like the difference makers. Well, Corey, that was about a uh, hundred and twenty percent more Devils talk than I expected, but they're interesting, so I'm cool with that. Um, yeah. But that said, we're gonna kind of do. I'm gonna play a broad game here. Um, I have uh, three. So we're talking about non-metro uh, divisions, and uh, it seems like there are three teams that are uh, kind of head and shoulders above the rest. Although I think you could actually maybe dispute the third team I'm going to list here, but uh, give me an order of, in terms of points that they finish between um, Vegas, Colorado, and Tampa. Who do you think gets the most? Who do you think gets second? Who do you think gets third? Okay, I'm going to say Colorado first. That's that division I think they're going to kind of feast on. Yes. And I think they're just a better team overall. I think... Man, Tampa, I want to say second Tampa Bay, but I mean, they, they lost their entire third line this year. And I think they're going to, I think it's going to be a little, not a struggle, but I can easily see them finish, finishing second or third. Yeah. And uh, then Ve- I'll go Vegas and then Tampa, actually, because Vegas is just going to beat the hell out of the Canadian teams. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because I, I, I think I would go Vegas. I, actually, I think I would almost go Vegas one because, I mean, who is the second best team in the West? Like, is it like, are we going to say it's Edmonton, I guess? Like, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Vegas does have some depth issues there, but. They do. And they I, also have Chandler Stevenson as a first line center. So. Yeah. That, that's, that, could be its own, that could be its own podcast. <laughs> like, what the well, hell We're familiar there. with Chandler Stevenson around these parts. I actually, he has been like a lot better of a player than I ever thought he could be. But uh, being really fast, I guess, helps, huh? Yeah, but still, I mean, I could see 
I mean, I mean, I could see them struggling against like, I mean, I guess Edmonton maybe in like a head-to-head matchup. I do wonder if some of those, if if the Kings are going to take a step forward this year, but they did just lose Byfield for a couple weeks. But yeah, I mean, it's probably Vegas because they're going to beat up on a lot of like the Vancouver's and the San Jose's of the world. Yeah, I actually, I don't know. I, I think Tampa third just because, I mean, this is the second straight off season where they haven't had any rest. They basically lost what, like their entire third line that was like the the line for them that really kind of kind of keyed them this year. Like I, I could just see them kind of getting a, you know, getting like 15 points up for a playoff spot and just kind of cruising this year. No. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it with them because like, I mean. They didn't just lose Gord. I mean, they lost Coleman and Goudreau, but I do yes. think they're going to, I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. So I, I wonder if they're going to start like kind of experimenting a little bit, like maybe seeing if a guy like Barre Boulay can fill in on the first line if they need to before putting like the monster line back with Kucherov yeah. and Palat. But, that, that, uh, that Joseph kid, I think, is going to be good too, right? Yeah, he is really good. Like, I, I could see him. Like, not really a, not really a breakout because I guess he's an established NHL player, but I can see him being kind of this next wave of guys that they just insert into the lineup seamlessly. But Colorado, I mean, I think Colorado is probably the best team of those three, though. Like, at least in among regular season talk. I mean, they yeah. did lose. They did lose Devontae. Devontae is going to be out like for a month though, so that's going to hurt. But still, like, I think I really like uh, I really like Alex Newhook, who's probably going to be like maybe their second or third line center probably by the end of the year, depending on Calgary plays. Sure. So I think that's going to kind of get suspended randomly for like 20 games or something. Well, that hasn't happened until the on the table at this point. Well, that's the playoffs, but I think, but I do think he's going to kind of be, I do think he's going to kind of keep like the train rolling there. Cause like the third and fourth lines and well, the third line Colorado has been a bit of a mismatch because like Comfer and Jost haven't been the players like they hoped they would be, but Oh, here comes Alex Newhook from a bunch of trades we made with Ottawa that gave us like (laughs) an endless supply of top 10 picks. So I think he's going to be, uh, I think he'll be kind of that next wave to keep yeah. to keep it going for them. So, yeah. I'll, anyway, I'll go Colorado, Vegas, Tampa. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna go Vegas, Colorado, Tampa. Just to just to keep it a little interesting here. Um, although I think we we would all agree they're all safely like playoff teams. And and would I mean I I would imagine you have Vegas, Colorado each winning their respective divisions. Do you, do you have Tampa winning the? Uh, I guess we're spoiling the thing I was going to do later, but let's just do it now. Um, do you do you have Tampa in the uh, you know in the uh, Atlantic, or do you do you have uh, do you have one of the other teams kind of kind of getting there? Yes, just because it's like until I'm, until they prove me otherwise, that goes for this other the other team in their division that I'm not hiding that well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, you know I will say uh, if if Bobrovsky is normal, then uh, Florida, an interesting little team there, right? You know, I really uh, like them getting Sam Reinhardt too. I thought that was yeah, a smart I, little pickup for them. I'm very high on Florida. Like, I, I do wonder if they have like some central division, some like central division kind of wackiness going on from last year. But I do, I really like their roster. I like the way that like Q has them playing. And I also really like Spencer Knight, so. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he, uh, you could easily see him playing like 35, 40 games next year. Like that would, uh, that would not surprise me. 
Um, and then they would pay Bobrovsky, what, $9.75 million to sit on the bench as they should. And, uh, Man, if they if they did not have him, that would uh, that would be some kind of roster because that's like a that's like first line center money that they already yeah. have. So yeah. Yeah, that was a was that a talent thing? I don't remember. Yeah. Nice little party he gets. Yeah, it was somebody just left the Giants That was right before Bill Zito got in. So uh, yeah, they're uh, they're uh, they're a interesting team. Uh, they're also gonna have to figure out how to pay Barkov, uh, which I don't know how they're gonna do, but they will I'm sure figure it out. Yeah, I think this is kind of I think this is kind of their year. They're a little late in their timeline with their stars, so this is kind of the next two years are going to be really important for them. Yeah, well, I'm as a as a uh, Florida is my B team with uh, you know being having some uh, like being Jewish on the East Coast, having relatives in Florida. I've actually been to quite a few Florida Panthers games, and uh, they are fun actually, uh, and they're really cheap, so people should go. Um, but uh. But that said, um, Corey, we're gonna we're gonna finish it out here. Um, you you currently are writing for McKean's Hockey. Uh, I'll give you a chance to plug that at the end here. But uh, you did a rookie and breakout candidate column uh, for them. Um, obviously, don't reveal the whole thing here. But can you kind of tease it just a little bit? Make make some of us Caps fans seem a little smart here. Yeah, so I kind of went with like a different approach than just listing players. I was looking at which situ, like which rosters or which teams have situations where rookies can thrive. And there's two classes to it. There are teams that are teams that are going to play a lot of rookies because they're bad, like Anaheim and mm-hmm. Buffalo too. And then there's teams that have like a roster spot open where a rookie could potentially thrive. Like the Rangers have a second line winger spot open for a guy like Vitaly Kravstov, who. Yeah. Um, he didn't really have a great he didn't have a great 24 game stint there last year, but he did show some things that can make him fit in. Like he's really good from the blue line and the bottom of the or and the faceoff circles in to create a lot of these like plays that are tough to defend. Like he's really strong. Like once yeah. he gets the puck down low, especially in the corner. And uh, that'd be an well, interesting little fit with Panarin, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Maybe with Zabanajad to be like yeah, the Butch Nevich replacement. Feel. Sure. And then there's a few obvious ones like Cole Caulfield has a first line spot for him in Montreal, pretty much tailor made. Yeah. Bowen Byram, he's gonna might he might be the Devontae's replacement. He will at least be the Ryan Graves replacement in Colorado, and he's talented enough to do it. And, and, and another get some guy, pretty favorable matchups too, right? I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another guy, uh, like he's not a rookie, but Eric Brandstrom in Ottawa. Like yep. I really like watching him and the way he defends. Like he defends a very modern style, like Orloff I talked about earlier. Yep. Like he's super aggressive at the blue line. He's really good at getting the. He's really good at like, uh, like these aren't necessarily like not necessarily zone like exiting the zone, but like when the other t- when there's a, like a delayed offside and you need a quick strike play, he's really good at doing that. Like, just yeah. moving the puck up super quickly and just hitting the guy in stride. Like, he's really good at doing that. And Ottawa likes to attack that way, too. So I could see him getting some points there if they ever figure out how to score some goals. Yep. And uh, a couple of guys I talked about earlier, like Oliver Wallstrom, I see. Yeah. I, I think he could fit into the Everly spot there well. But knowing Trotz, I think he's going to go play Josh Bailey there or something. And Wallstrom might end up getting lost in the shuffle because Leo Komarov exists. And, uh, ah, yes. Ah, yes, Leo Komarov. <laughs> um, a little off-the-radar pick I had is Alex Carrier from Nashville. He's a uh, He had to play last year, and he's been, like, an AHL veteran. But God. he does a – but he's a really good 
he's a really good puck mover and a really good defenseman, like at pinching to keep plays alive, which fits, which really fits with like how Nashville's always like to play, like the whole Matias Ekholm, Roman Yossi style of defending. Like yeah. he doesn't really have like the top end skill there, but he had to play top four minutes last season, like when mm-hmm. a bunch of guys were hurt, and he did really well, especially with a roster that was in shambles. And I think he. If he gets to play over like Philip Myers there, I think he's going to be really good and maybe a stealth Calder candidate if it gets power play time. Interesting. I like that. I like that call. Yeah. I, uh, well, Corey, um, I could think of nothing more fitting than uh, talking about the uh, the Ottawa Senators and uh, the National Predators on this Washington Capitals podcast. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 always been a blast, as always. Uh, String had to leave a little early today, uh, you know, to to do some work stuff. But uh, this was this has been a blast. Uh, I can't wait to have you on again at least a few more times this year. Uh, and uh, Corey, where can uh, people find you and your various work? Well, I do have a I have a new website up now, all3zones.com. That's the new hub for all of my tracking stuff. I just actually published some player cards yes. with all the data that yeah. I've tracked the last four years. And it's kind of like uh, it's like those player comparison tools that CJ Totoro made a few years ago with my data. And I just kind of made my own version with them. And uh, those are up now for subscribers. And I have a free sample up if you're not a subscriber with like a limited set of the data just to see just to see what it's all about and see if you like it and if you want to be a subscriber. And uh, that's also that's also where you can find my work on Patreon. I have a link on my Twitter and on my website if you want to subscribe to get access to all this uh all these uh, hockey micro stats that I'm tracking, I'm hopefully going to be expanding a little bit this year, maybe doing some other leagues because I know prospect stuff is in high demand and also like women's hockey. A lot of people want more data on that, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing a lot this year. That's exciting. That's exciting. And uh, well, uh, I'll, I'll, as, as a proud, uh, J, you know, subscriber to your Patreon uh, through the Japers Rank account, uh, heartily endorse all of your content it's all universally wonderful and uh yeah so with that uh, thank you for listening to japers rank radio if you like the show uh please rate or subscribe review we got a new season i'm excited uh i hopefully i'm going to keep bringing the energy here and uh we're really excited and uh cory uh i think we're gonna probably hopefully have you on at least a few more times this year so uh, thank you so much for coming on and uh, look forward to chatting with you soon yeah thanks for having me i can't wait to do this again Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast.
Easier said, done.